today we're going to be doing Motley Crue. And uh, like we typically do, every week we discuss a band. One of us kind of takes over the band and kind of does all the research. And then we, we talk about it and other things. And it's, um, it's all a bunch of fun. Today we have p uh, beer and pizza, which is the best. And uh, all five of us are here. So if you do not recognize the man in the center... <laughs> He is Anthony Gossett. He is our rhythm guitarist. Woo. Yes. You first podcast ever. Yes, this is mm. his first podcast with us. <laughs> um, you might recognize him from the Red and Blue music video. You. He, you. <laughs> he was the bassist for that. Um, but I no. wore the shorts. Yeah, he's, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's the guy who wore the shorts that everybody was really mad about in the comments. So, yeah, so we have Anthony back. Jerry is here in his human form. He is not represented <laughs> as an eagle totem or a dog. So that's right. uh, I think this is going to be a good one, guys. Or a robot. Or a robot, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah, without further ado, we're going to discuss <coughs> some Motley Crue. Jerry, what did you find out about Motley Crue? All right, so this week I'm the one who got the, the chance to dig up all the dirt. Yeah, yes. You can see what I did there. But um, yeah, you know what? I like Motley Crue. Uh, when we were deciding to see which band was going to be next, uh, this one was thrown out there, and I just uh, decided to grab it from the hat. It's um, like I've said it before. Um, I gravitate more towards the rock stuff, so this is naturally one of the ones that I would love to do. So that's why I uh, took charge of it. <coughs> so basically. Motley Crue um, started out in the 80s, 1981, which is a great year. It's <laughs> a good year. Because that's my birthday. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the year of my birth. And that's also the year of big hair, yeah, big guitar yeah. sounds, yeah. and huge, huge egos. Yeah. All right. So Motley Crue, they were formed right around January of 1981. Um, it was Nikki Six. Uh, that's when he decided to la leave his... Uh, band it was called london um he made the exit from london um then that's when he started to do rehearsals with uh, tommy lee and at that point it was called um greg leon which was the vocalist and guitar player at that point but um some people may say oh he's the first one but technically motley crew was not motley crew at that point yet because they didn't have that name yet yeah. So, <coughs> after they went and rehearsed, uh, the reason why Nikki Six was able to gr uh, link up with those two guys, Tommy and Greg had history of working together prior to Nikki coming into the band, so that's why they made up that trio at that point. Um, shortly after, it's kind of hard to get information as to why, um, in the movie The Dirt, I mean, every, a lot of people have seen it. Yes. Yeah, um, it's a Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> Present company included. We've That's all seen right. the dirt. <laughs> yeah, we, so. actually, we actually had a reaction video that we had filmed that was yeah. on YouTube. I don't even know if it's still on there because no. I think oh, it got taken down. Yeah. yeah, so I thought, yeah, it was pretty obnoxious. Yeah, we had a reaction video to that, not to cut off Jerry, but we had a reaction video uh, to Netflix's The Dirt. 
and I thought I thought it was hilarious, but YouTube kept flagging it for copyright, but it wasn't a copyright infringement because it was a commentary video. <laughs> and uh, as much as we tried to fight it, they just ended up taking it completely down. It might have been for the best because everybody was really mad because we kept laying into the movie the entire time. I mean, just ruthless about <laughs> it. So um, the comments were always like really pissed off because we weren't, you know. A bunch of really mad nine-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nine-year-old uh, Molly Crew fans. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when does that happen? <laughs> on, on YouTube, apparently. Yeah, it's a keyboard warrior. Um, so basically, Leon decided not to continue with the trio. Um, again, in the movie, it was said that that's when like Mick Mars came in and like it kind of showed him off, and the guy just felt threatened, I guess, and took off. But <laughs> um, I don't know what happened in real life. I mean, that could have been the case, but I'm not sure. I tried to dig into it, and I didn't really find too much info on it. But um, nevertheless, the guy took off before that even happened. So at that point i mean that guy left right before like actual motley crew was uh incepted at that point um nikki and tommy then decided to start looking for a guitar player and uh one of the funny things was is that they answered an ad from the recycle so um little thing that i like to touch on on that one is that it's kind of funny um i don't know if any like if you guys ever used the recycler yourselves? I don't even know what that is. No. <laughs> okay. Where where we were from, <laughs> it was called the penny saver. Exactly. Oh, yeah, the, the penny, penny saver. saver. So there's the penny saver. There was a recycler, and I remember using it when I was younger because I used to get my car parts from there. Like I, I had an old car, and I would just like to work on it. Well, we got you on Craigslist. It, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> that's true. It's like the digital yeah. recycler. Yeah, it's the digital yeah. digital recycler penny what, saver. Yeah, it's essentially that's uh, the Craigslist is what basically the recycler was back then, or the penny saver, and um, it just kind of got me thinking as to um i mean previous bands that i played with and the way that i search for people to uh, jam out with um i can't imagine back then having to use that type of resource yeah and like just be so limited to what you can try and to search for oh and, and also not well, knowing who the hell you're like getting involved with <laughs> preemptively exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. because at least we could you know i couldn't find you that's the one thing that was tricky is I, I didn't find you right away. I tried to do a little search on you, but I couldn't. Oh, I was like, yeah. I'll just wait. Just like a girl. I'm a ninja. <laughs> Social media background <laughs> check. FBI duty. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, it, it was one of those, it, it's a thing that I thought about, and I was just amazed that, I mean, out of all the people that they could have had gone in, and they happened to run across uh, Mick Mars. And that that's who they chose to bring in. I thought it was pretty amazing. Because, I mean, the guy's pretty talented. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like, what I, I was going to say, what I think is weird, too, is, like, even imagine thinking about trying to find equipment. Nowadays, it's so easy for us. Like, if I want to, you know, I want to try a new guitar pedal, I'll just buy it on Reverb.com and then just sell it right back on Reverb.com. Imagine trying to get rid of stuff and find new stuff for good prices back then. It would have been so freaking crazy. Yeah. I mean, because especially, like, the stuff that they would use, like Marshall JCM 800s and stuff, weren't cheap. You know what I mean? Like, how does one young musician save up enough money for that? Like, because you're not going to be able to find you stuff so easy. Yeah. Like, yeah. pawn shop or something? Definitely. I, so was, I was just uh, watching a documentary. I don't know if you can hear me, but I don't know. It's okay. Great. Um, yeah. And 
Tommy Lee described the ad that they saw about Mick Mars, yeah. and it just literally said like, "Loud, rude, aggressive guitar, no BS. Call Mars. <laughs> <laughs> call Mick Mars." And they call him. So when he auditioned, I think that's your next point. He just like showed up at the audition, and these guys, Nikki and Tommy, were like scared of him because he looked like out of the Adams family. Like he was Poor pale, guy. you know, like all like dressing all black, and and they were you like just described me. <laughs> <laughs> That's if you're not old and we don't know your age. Show up. <laughs> you don't know my age. Roy, show up, raise hell. Oh yeah, and leave. Stone Cold. Those are the three rules right there. <laughs> but Stone <laughs> But he was like funny and cool, so they were like, "You're in the band, man. You're the former member." Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Um, he went out, he auditioned, and I guess they must have gone through a couple other auditions um, from what I've dug up. Um, and then from there, the, he auditioned, they eventually brought him on. And one of the things that it, they keep saying in that stuff is that he was hired on. Um, now, in terms of a band, uh, at least the ones that I've been in, or obviously now, um, I've never heard the term of like, oh, you know what, you're hired. So uh, I don't know like what terminology whoever was looking at that, or maybe they were already establishing something bigger. They had a backing before they got signed or anything of that sort. But that just kind of like um, raised my eyebrow because I was like, oh, okay, uh, they hired him. But yeah. yeah, so it's kind of kind of weird that a, a starting out band would actually treat it that way, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, they said they hired him, and then um, they started their way, right? And then as for Vince, um, oh Vince, oh, oh Vinny Vince, Vince. Oh, man. the man who would become known Tamar. as the tater tot <laughs> in a jean jacket, <laughs> according to Scott Gossett. Yeah. Watch our reaction video. You can't. So, um, yeah, Vince um, Vince and Tommy actually knew each other from high school. And uh, they, I guess they played on a garage band circuit. You're going to say, I like, the same water polo team? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like the that speedos. there was a garage band circuit. Can we, like, comment on that? Where is that? I would like to join that circuit. It was is just that a bunch of garages. <laughs> yeah. around to the garages and played them. It was a cul-de-sac. Yeah. <laughs> so sick. They just went around. Yeah, so basically they said that they were in a garage band circuit and they knew each other from them. They played in different bands, but they played the same stages. So they already knew. They had some uh, report with them, each other, uh, for whatever it was. So even though Tommy was the one who knew Vince, I thought it was pretty cool that it was under Mick's uh, suggestion that they would bring in uh, Vince after... Mick had seen uh, Vince play live uh, somewhere out in Hollywood, which was I the think it's Starwood. Starwood. Yeah, Starwood. Yeah. So Vince ended up playing at the Starwood. Uh, I guess Mick uh, Mick Mars ended up uh, seeing him live there, and he saw the live set, and he thought it was pretty good. And under his uh, suggestion, he said, "Like, you know what? Why don't we try to bring in Vince Neil?" Yeah. <laughs> and that so was the beginning of the end. Yeah. <laughs> so Mick, being an old guy, 
showed up in a van that says candy outside. He's like, come How much <laughs> older nice. How much older was Nick than all these people? Because like 10 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's he was up he's up there. I don't He's do, up there. Do, yeah, do the, you just I don't described even know if they know his actual <laughs> age right now. I think one of the documentaries I saw when Tommy Lee was like 18, Nick was 25. Or yeah, 20, they were really young. 28 or 30, yeah. yeah. Like they kept yeah. calling him old man in the dirt, which yeah. I took offense to. <laughs> So, yeah, basically that's how he was brought in. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, at that point, they had the original line, lineup established. Um, and Were they Motley Crue yet? No, not oh. yet. What were they, like the boat slugs? Like, what What was their name? <laughs> I wish they were the boat slugs. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, what was it? Our uh, name. Nikki Six was actually throwing around the name about calling the band uh, Christmas. Christmas? Christmas. Christmas. Oh, thank God. They didn't choose that Fucking idiot. Vote in yeah. the comments if we should be called Christmas or the Boat Slugs. <laughs> <laughs> we need to make a legal band change. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so basically they're supposed to, uh, he was throwing around the name of Christmas, but none of the guys were receptive to it. Uh, I, wonder, <laughs> I wonder why. I don't blame him. I wonder him. why. <laughs> I wonder why. I don't blame him at all. So then again, coming in with a clutch. At Ben Ortiz. <laughs> my, my body, my choice. My body, my choice. Oh, I know. Um, Scott's <laughs> legs are too sexy and need to be hidden. <laughs> and uh, you're distracting everybody from the topic at hand with your with your bare legs. Pull your skirt down. Inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Lost track of what are we? What are we even talking about now? Molly no, we're Crick? talking about Mick Mars. Uh, yeah. I was saying um, Mick again with another suggestion. Um, him being in a previous band, I think it was called White Horse. Uh, he said that uh, one of his bandmates described themselves as a a motley-looking crew, <laughs> and he remembered that for some reason. And when they were trying to throw the names out there, and Christmas tragically failed. Damn um, it! Yeah, yeah. They kind of he kind of brought up the whole um, idea of maybe calling themselves Motley Crew. Or a Motley Crew, whatever it could have been before that. But uh, <laughs> once they put that together, they started playing around with the lettering and the spelling a little bit. And that's when Motley Crew was actually Motley Crew. And here's some metal trivia <laughs> for you. Uh, Motley Crew <laughs> was actually the inspiration for why uh, Scott put the umlauts on uh, our name, which will now be changed to Boat Slugs. <laughs> First album, Christmas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, we uh, we have the, the umlauts because of Motley Crue as well. And I think that they hold just as much significance as when Nikki Six <laughs> did it, <laughs> which is none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there you go. That's how they came up with their name, and Motley Crue was conceived during conceived. Christmas. Ew. No, no, not Christmas. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> On Christmas, On Christ Motley Crue was conceived. Yeah. So, um, that was, uh, I mean, one of the things that I like to bring up when they were going through all that stuff, um, I don't, obviously, I came into metal when it was already established. Um, this project probably came into uh, inception with, like, what, uh, was it uh, you, Scott, and Megan? Or was Anthony already involved? It so was, was later. Yeah. Okay, Scott, so you, 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 came, you came in when it was already Yeah, the, the, fir the first incarnation was kind of funny because if you guys remember Zach, who was on bass, it was Zach playing guitar yeah. and me playing drums. 
Yeah. And then this That's guy, this guy, <laughs> this guy, this guy, Grant playing bass and Megan singing. And Megan, what's really funny is that once that kind of fell apart, we actually ended up getting a new drummer because when we, when Zach had to leave the first time, <laughs> then we put an ad on Craigslist and I told, <laughs> I told everybody else in the band, I said, whoever we find first is what yeah. I will play. If we That's find a true. drummer, then I'll play guitar. And if we find a bass, I mean, if we find a guitar player, I'll just play drums. And I responded as a drummer <laughs> and then just found somebody. <laughs> No, that's, that's so funny. <laughs> I wish that's how that went. No, <laughs> a, a drummer, thank God, actually responded first. I mean, Scott, you play a wonderful drum. drum. Single drum. <laughs> but we all know this is not meant to be. And we would not have had Roy, so I'm glad to have yeah, So I don't, I don't trust you guys anymore because <laughs> one of these days you're going to take my place. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Scott. I wanted to say real quick, too, what's funny is that Megan didn't even think or know she could sing. And it was only when we were like in the car and she'd sing along <laughs> the songs that I was like, no, I want you to sing for this band. And she's like, I can't do that. I don't want to sing in a band. And I was like, no, you're just going to do it because I want to start a band. So, <laughs> yeah, that's actually, yeah, that's 100 percent accurate. That's 100 percent how this started is that he wanted to get back into music. And I was all for it because I loved uh, I loved when he was in his other band and I, I loved music and I like making music and helping him and going to all the shows. But then when he wanted me to be in it, I was like. I don't play anything. You he's have like, no, no choice. Yeah. He's like, you're going to sing. And I'm like, no, but I can't do that. He's like, no, I'm going to put you in singing lessons. And so we took some singing lessons and uh, now I'm here. So everybody was like, oh, you know, this is, this has probably been your passion. And I was like, mm. well, yeah, I was going to say like <laughs> the best part was, was when me and the Craigslist drummer <laughs> went, went, went to the airport, the cafe bar, right, right by our house got drunk, and then just told them, we're going to play at your place next weekend. And then came back and told Megan, guess what, Megan? We have a show. <laughs> and she's like, you are, you're going to fucking die. I'm not ready to sing in front of people. And we're like, no, you're doing it. <laughs> and then literally my very next show was our local Temecula Balloon and Wine Festival. <laughs> so it was my second time ever singing in front of people. And I had to sing in at front of like huge, thousands of people. Huge festival, thousands and thousands of people at this like local. It's like a literally like a wine festival. There's all kinds of wines and beers and can be a little bit intimidating. Also, oh, just right? a little bit. I sang the entire set with my eyes closed because every single time I opened my eyes, I wanted to literally shit my pants. So I did not realize that was like the second for yes. that's crazy yeah. wow yeah. that's a that's a big jump <laughs> exactly. yeah because that was that was actually when anthony yes. came into the band the first time we had to have him play that show because we won that best like local band yes. contest on the radio to play the show and then we were like anthony we need a bass player who could play the bass actually so because <laughs> <laughs> we actually got booked for something like really big so so that was that was a whole lot of firsts, and uh, so yeah. What was the question? That's oh, that's how the inception of metal, basically yeah. how you come up with the name. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, the bands that I've been with, and this is with uh, friends back in high school and stuff. Uh, coming up with the name, it's painstaking. It's like oh, yeah. everybody has an opinion. Everybody has like, yeah, I don't like this, or yeah, that one's cool. But there's so many voices, uh, too many hands in the jar, and um. I don't know. There's just one uh, one point that I wanted to bring in that I thought it was really really cool that Mick Mars was the one who kind of put out that suggestion and they rolled with it. They just went with it. They let him uh, put the input and came up with 
together with Motley Crue. And I mean, this is considered basically the outsider coming in into the band that of the two guys that are, it's already been established at least, and before Vince, obviously. But I would, I would say because um, he was already actively playing, right? Like uh, Mick was already like oh in yeah. multiple bands, and mm -hmm. Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee, and uh, Vince, they were just playing, like you said, in, in garage like bands and stuff yeah nikki nikki was also playing too but nothing on bigger uh n nothing too too big either though but obviously with the band starting out the two original members you would consider nikki and tommy right yeah and then you got mick mars coming in after being hired on as the third guy coming in for the guitar yeah. and he's the one putting in the suggestion let's go ahead and bring in vince oh you know what we used to say this back in the old band how about we go with Motley Crue? Yeah. And that the band was so receptive to it, I thought it was pretty cool. So what, what this tells me is that <laughs> Jerry's going to fire me and then change our name. <laughs> <laughs> to Christmas. <laughs> to Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I'm just kind of putting out a, like, the, no, I know it's the funny. point out there. I thought that was pretty cool. They, they let the guy come in here and, like, Definitely. get his two cents, and it worked out best for the best for them, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Because, I don't know. No, no you're right. It is great. actually a very good no, point. It is. Like, you're just yeah. saying that usually the people who, like, say, like, form the band at first feel almost like an ownership of it. So they want to be like, no, 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 we're going to make the name because this is like our thing almost. But he comes in just being a totally new guy and they're totally willing and open to a suggestion is yeah. more or less what you're saying. Like, yeah, I think it's awesome. I'm open yeah. to nothing. So nobody ever give me any <laughs> suggestions. <laughs> yeah. So once that gets together, they got their name. They have the original members now at that point. And I want to say, I mean, January, February, March, March, April, I think that's when they got everything all together. Wow. They released their first full length <laughs> on the label a couple months later. <laughs> and that's the debut album, Too Fast for Love. Oh. And so, I mean, that album, um, okay, this, uh, this is coming from a band that just got together. Um, they're signed already. And um, they start putting something out where it, feels like it's a major label even though it was like a smaller label right one of you was saying it was like something more of a their own label or something i think it was Scott, like do you know you know motley right? crew what about it what was the question <laughs> <laughs> it was Never this prior mind. prior to electra <laughs> yeah prior to electra yeah prior to electra, yeah, prior to electra they were signed on with another label Honestly, that's when they released i think mm. they called it like leather records or something i really don't know actually yeah. <laughs> but it was uh, it was something of a connection of uh, someone close to them I, I thought they found like a manager that who was like, you know, finding the gigs, but I, I just didn't know they had like a record label. I think it was just someone who was like managing them. They they had locally. a yeah they had a almost like a booking manager. It was basically like a band manager. They had one from the get go. Oh, so oh, they okay. never had. I mean, from their first release was not on a label. They just did it themselves, kind of thing. The first release was on a label. It just it was? wasn't Electra. I would ask Scott, but he's on his OnlyFans account right now, yep. <laughs> and, he, and he needs to get off of it and pay attention. Taking pictures of the legs. Right well, no, I, I was just going to say, yeah, if anybody needs new leg shots, <laughs> go, go on there tonight. They'll be uploaded by 830. <laughs> yes. he's, he's Scott Legs Gossett at OnlyFans.com. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I know how to use them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... 
bringing it back. Ever got to a that leg one. job? So they released their first <laughs> album. Um, I mean, what what band gets together, releases their first album in a label, and even though it wasn't like a huge commercial like success, sells twenty thousand copies. Yeah, who does? Like, that? which band does that? That's wild. There's right? there's got to be some kind of support, you know, oh, behind definitely. all of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that yeah, that's my point. That I'm saying that like. They like you're saying that like ironically, like yeah, yeah. ironically. And um, I it's mean, I love Motley Crue, but it's like you know what? There is probably some financial backing at one point. Just like the whole thing of hiring McMars type thing. Yeah. Who knows? Um, and for the reason of that, I mean, they that album, it was it was their debut, and I mean, other than like, on with the show, there's really no other song that kind of like. Uh, Catches my attention, or no uh, merry-go-round for you? No, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I but I love Livewire. Like I love Livewire. Yeah. Like Livewire? like to me that part where all of a sudden it's just like the drums like clicking the hi hats and you're like young man free like like first time I heard that I thought that was so fucking sick. And even the intro riff is really dope. Like oh, here's another interesting thing. Fucking. When I was in the other band, The Chain, me and Anthony were sitting at Anthony's house, and I've never told him this story. And I was playing the live wire riff on the guitar, and he was playing the live wire riff on the guitar, and I was secretly pissed because it sounded way better when he did it. <laughs> well, because Anthony is a better, like, just player of instruments than you. And I know. You just need to get over it. But my I get by on my legs. <laughs> my memory is so horrible, I'm not even sure that I knew. How to play it? <laughs> the best part is you probably didn't even know it's still better. <laughs> he like did, he's like, I thought I made this up. It's still better than Scott playing it. <laughs> still better than me playing it when I knew it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, so I mean, what do you guys think, uh, Roy? Do you have any opinions on that album? Or yes, right, please. <sighs> I like Live Wire. That's pretty much all of it. Yeah, I mean. Not really. <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> why don't you tell the audience why you have no opinion of it, Roy? Because I don't want to, like, give it away too soon, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just put you waiting <laughs> for it. But Livewire is one of my favorite songs, too. So let's keep it just like that. All right. What I want to know is um, in the dirt when the weird girlfriend comes in and starts yelling at everybody, that was, that was supposed to be during the Livewire performance, right? Did that actually happen? I am not sure. He's like, that's an irrelevant point. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> Probably not. That was like the same scene where they just like decided to change keys randomly. Yes. Yes. Scene, right? like, yeah. like, oh, like as if it just happened organically. Yeah. Like, that's and it wasn't like they were already so in the studio seamless. and a producer like making them do it. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's not realistic. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. With, with this uh, debut album, for me, it was more like I think that w that would have been more like a warm up album. Uh, personally, um, a lot of the songs could have been like demos. Prior, oh yeah. Prior to them being signed to a label and releasing a major, uh, a full length record, but I mean that's just my two cents on that. Um, even though I like them, it's just I always kind of felt like weird about how they came up. I guess. Something, so. something we were kind of talking about like Incubus too, like was when we were doing that yeah, podcast. Where it's like nothing is just like, oh, whoops, we're just so talented and everybody loves us. Oh, no. <laughs> Let me get in my helicopter and go to high school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you said, there has to be some, you know, somebody 
Yeah. In the know, pushing that. That's just what I feel about it. So, I mean, they had that, that album drop in 1983, um, from 1981, 82, 83, so I mean, two years, and you already get signed and stuff like that. So there's definitely something that helped them get there. Uh, in 1985? I was, was going to say, uh, part of that, uh, based on an interview uh, with Tommy Lee, he was saying that when they were at that age, they were just on the street like at night just like putting up post like posters and stuff like oh come watch us at the troubadour come watch us at uh, the starwood you know so all of them including the singer <laughs> they were, they were like, what are you trying to <laughs> say <laughs> you lazy that's actually a really good point roy <laughs> no, no, no. but they were like <laughs> let's just print out a bunch of posters let's like buy like staple guns and meet us, you know, at the park at 8. And we're going to start, like, posting, you know, like, blasting every place. So they would go all over Hollywood. So that's probably just part of the the reason why they were kind of big, you know, in Hollywood. So if yes. anybody wants my job so that you can <laughs> go around and put posters all over things for our show, I am um, I'm going to be hiring for my position. <laughs> This is, this is what we need to do because I remember street having team. this exactly a street team a metal a boat having slug street team you guys can be called <laughs> the, the problem is, is we can't get a street team because no like little elementary school kids are gonna want to do this we're gonna need to like go to convalescent homes or something <laughs> like. I was gonna say all of our fans are like most definitely forty and over but they will be on the street boat slugs reach out to us we need you <laughs> how's it gonna be if the new name for like like the metal club, like I said, the metalheads are just boat slugs. <laughs> yeah, guys, the metalheads, the Mo metalheads fan club, the music group that we have. Uh, if you guys are not part of it, if you're watching the stream, you probably are in it. Uh, but if you're not, it's called, you know, the podcast name, Metalheads. Uh, it's a private group. Add yourself. We talk about awesome things, and then we're gonna call you now the boat slugs from now on. That's my plug on the on the there group. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. This is this is important. Oh. This is very important. Who's coming? So, no, no, no. Okay, so, should be down here. PJ Ransom says. I'm only 38. Okay, so, <laughs> PJ Ransom. Is this real? It says, bring the gear. The stage is open to hikers, and then in quotes, one amp, two didgeridoo, and one theremin ready to go. So, like, we could actually, like, play at Red Rocks, like, kind of, uh, like, gorilla style. Yeah. That'd be really fucking awesome, to tell you the truth. Like, I'd be so down for that. Yeah, PJ's referring to Red Rocks in Colorado, which was, it's an outdoor venue. Like my favorite venue. In awesome. in yeah. a valley of rocks. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, we went and saw Ryan Adams there. Scott and I did. And God rest his soul. <laughs> He's been canceled, but it's all right. Uh, yeah, anyway. So, yeah, I think that would be guerrilla style. Let's go to Red Rocks and... and <laughs> force a metal show upon them any minute now a dog's gonna break through that gate so just bear with us be prepared they're gonna that. be the special guests mm -hmm. she's thinking about it but anyway sorry jerry what were we talking about so um no yeah um so i was talking about the well we kind of went on the tangent about the whole street team but i yes. do remember um like roy said that they were putting in a lot of the footwork and to be honest even though it's work I think I prefer doing that over the whole internet promotion. It feels more real. Yeah, like it's 
uh, for myself because I, I went through and I, and I was right there at that shift where we had to do going out to the shows and handing out CDs and telling people, listen to this and give them a card and like talk to them one-on-one when, as they come out of a, uh, of a show, then, um, I don't mind doing the interactions on the internet and stuff, but I, I don't know. I think it's just the old school in me that well, I would rather do that. Jerry, but. you can be the leader of the Boat Slug Street team then. Yeah. <laughs> the captain. Yeah. yeah. I just need to get captains so then I could just send them stuff. I'm like, go post this somewhere else. too hot today. I'm staying indoors with well, the AC. Well, that's the thing. I think the only thing that we need to you decide now about the Boat Slugs is, are, like, as, as far as their look goes, are they going to be like – like kind of like muscly Popeye <laughs> Navy boat people, or are they going to be like lazy Jimmy Buffett boat no. people? Like, like there's banana- so many different styles that we could go here with these boat slugs. See, I knew very, it. Very there she is. Sailor looking boat slugs. Yep. Yeah. They're gonna be like banana <laughs> slugs. I knew it. She hopped over. This is fancy. She's so, on the cover of What's Left of the Yeah, Lizard. you can't really see her very well, but she's uh, Roy's baby, and um, we, uh, she's on the cover of What's Left of the Lizard, yeah. We had her flown in, because she's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she is. Yeah, I don't know where she flew in from, but I, Georgia. I, I she flew in. She flew in from Georgia. She uh, on her broomstick. She's, <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's in high demand. Um she will autograph your CD if you if you do ask us uh, after purchasing. Yeah, but yep, that's her. Hopefully, she's not going to screw up literally everything. I'm going to have to put her away because she's pretty <laughs> she's pretty spirited that one. Yeah. But anyway, no, I would I agree with you, Jerry, that I really like the the physical interaction <laughs> idea. See, this is chaos right now, and I am so distracted. But I also really like laying in my bed. And uh, talking to you all from the comfort of uh, my bedroom when I don't have to wear clothing and can be laying there for hours. That is the best way I like to interact with all of you, uh, covered in dog hair. And I don't <laughs> oh, no, there's a pause. What did she hit? I don't think she hit anything. Okay, good. We'll find out right now. Oh, it's it literally cut. What did she hit? Hold on. Well, I think we're still live right now. It's just the video has stopped right now. So people watching us, can you let us know in the comments? Just put that you can hear us but not moving. Yeah. We're just frozen to ourselves. Yeah. Let us know. Oh, fancy. What did she do? <laughs> <laughs> what did she do? What the hell? Why did she Maybe the camera's unplugged now. Might oh, be no. Scott, can you fix it? Oh, because that's the one. <laughs> Damn it. Stay with us. See? Fancy. I knew the destruction would occur. Did it run out of battery? Did the camera die? Oh, no. You guys are blaming Fancy. <laughs> We're having technical dog issues. Bear with us. <laughs> Our s- You're going to see Scott's crotch now. Let's see. <laughs> Just emerge. <laughs> Welcome to my house. This is the picture of some uh, Joshua trees that I have. We are going to be reinserting another battery. And I'm going to be... The dog actually didn't do it this time. It was 100%. Um, 
It was foul play. <laughs> it was the camera. Oh, there you go. oh, and we back. We back. We back. Thank you, guys. Sorry, it's everyone, for our lack of professionalism. <laughs> it's not a metal event if it's not a complete clusterfuck. Did somebody say that already? No, I just <laughs> said that. <laughs> that would be accurate from them. The, the good thing about that is that we, we came on time. But now here. <laughs> right, right. That's the problem, exactly. Yeah. yeah. At least you're consistent. I mean, yeah. You know. We got to keep it going. Yeah. Consistency is key. Right? <laughs> All right. So we're getting back into it, right? E 1982, they get signed to Electra Records. Right? So from there, um, I mean, that's a major label at that point, and that's only one year after they've been active. I'm just keeping track of that. Just yeah. Everybody knows. Yeah. <laughs> but um, they got signed to Electrag. Uh, it's a bigger deal. Uh, it's a huge label at that time, and um, they're on their sec. They're going to be going on their second uh, full-length album. And the band, I was I was watching one of the documentaries, and basically they were just kind of saying that, um, like Roy, you were saying before, that they were putting in the footwork, uh, getting to know people, handing out their stuff, putting posters and all that stuff, and getting other people to do it more than likely, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at this point, they said, too, that the reason why they were able to get so much attention back then was due to the fact that they were the only ones doing what they were doing at that point, which mm. was being loud, their attitudes on stage, kind of being obnoxious, the rock star scene, and their looks. Yeah, their outfits and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Just the way that they were dressed, the, the their personas, they were kind of pushing it forward. Uh, that's kind of the reason why they um, – got that recognition and I guess they just got that buzz around them and kind of brought in the bigger label people and to take more interest with them. So we need more sex appeal is what you're saying. Yes, yeah, Scott, roll <laughs> up your shorts. Yes, <laughs> more legs, Scott. Been waiting for this moment. We're yes. not sexy enough and I think it's 100% your fault. <laughs> you keep it, you keep, you keep it all covered up way too Scott, much. Stop being a prude. Exactly. Just I'm saving it for marriage. <laughs> That's probably the most respectable thing you could do. Yeah, so I mean, uh, just another point to bring up too is uh, the well, we've we've touched bases on this topic before in the past and other podcasts is having the lack of resources to be able to look for people and all that good stuff there's the d that's the downside of it, right? Mm -hmm. The upside, I feel, was that there was no oversaturation of content and people doing crazy things and trying yeah. to stand out and trying to become this viral video people thing now that back then for Motley Crue, that worked for them. That was in their favor to be able to do that kind of stuff that they'll be the only ones be known that, oh, these are the guys with the crazy ass hair. Yeah. Or these are the guys that are like, oh yeah, they only got a leather vest on. Although we know a band right now. Or like different. these are the guys yeah. with the, yeah. these are the guys with the sexy legs. Like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is, uh, check out those sexy legs. I love that leg hair. Um, yeah. So I mean, limited exposure, the lack of oversaturation. I feel that's like what made it unique for them back then. Because yeah. even though I mean, there was other bands that followed followed behind them, and they were following other bands too, because already Kiss was already established at that yeah. point. 
And what did they do? They dressed crazy. They put the face masks on. Yeah, didn't Nikki Six say he's like really influenced by them? Like yeah. as yes. far as yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was. And he kinda took that and ran with it and it worked for them. That that was a great thing for them. Um, but again I feel like if Motley Crue was starting out now, I don't think that would be enough. That that's kinda like a sad thing to say. <laughs> but I just feel like they wouldn't have the same break. I, I think so, you're right, honestly. Yeah. Um, so once they signed on um, with Electra, they're doing everything. They start getting into the studio, and they bring out their other album. At that point, um, this would be the second one, right? Shout at the Devil. Oh, everyone got scared because of that, huh? Everybody got scared? Yeah, because they were like, oh, yeah, you... Kind of like oh yeah, and they were like banned from certain like states and stuff. Is oh what you're saying, God. right? There's yeah, so yeah. many like interviews with Nikki Six trying to be like, no, but it's not shout with the devil. It's, it's shout, shout at, at the, the devil. devil. They're trying to explain themselves. Yeah. Like which one? Stop. I mean, yeah, which is true though. I mean, the title is. Um, but they were like wearing like pen pentagrams yeah. and stuff, like on the kick drum and on the. Oh. <laughs> it's gonna be hard sell, buddy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like. Are you shouting at the devil or with the devil? Remember when that was it? shocking and now you need to like literally kill somebody like on screen to be considered even remotely controversial <laughs> or just have like the wrong opinion? On a side note, yeah. I've I've always wanted to start a Christian band oh, no. that just covered all songs with devil in the name but changed <laughs> it to Jesus. <laughs> so, so Jesus went down to Georgia. Jesus went down to Georgia. <laughs> shout at the Jesus. Running with the Jesus. <laughs> it's It'd be amazing. Uh, it's a running with Jesus and shouting at him because he's not going to Georgia. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so they brought out that, that album. I mean, they had Shout Out the Devil, Looks That Kill. I like that song. And then they did the cover of uh, Helter Skelter, which um, was... I've, I've looked up this information before, and I've seen it come across, and it, there's different sources like music critics and like magazines and all this stuff that um, that song obviously c is coming from the Beatles, right? And there's a lot of people that say, oh, that song in specific is the song that paved the way to metal music. So, I mean, that's what I always hear, and it's, I think it's kind of cool that I actually covered it. In What's weird is, did that song come out before Black Sabbath, though? I don't I, think so, right? Because, like, because that's the White Album for the Beatles. That's the White Album. And this album. isn't to, like, argue with you. I'm saying, like, if people yes, were saying is. that, it's like, because Black Sabbath was in I'm the offended. 60s. <laughs> no, yeah, Black sure Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah, Black Sabbath was out. Um, I don't know if Black Sabbath was considered metal, though. Yeah, you mean they might not have coined metal? it? Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't yeah, think that, that, they that had makes put sense. It up yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. Um, it was around this time where like the whole metal was out because Motley Crue was considered a metal band, not a rock band. Yeah, they, they were. A oh metal yeah, yeah. And then the glam rock and glam metal and all that stuff. That's what they started. Putting well, who on do you them. think is the first metal band that like was coined at like Deep Purple? I don't know, honestly. Yeah, like, I mean, it's just an interesting thought. I never really knew yeah, who they. Of, yeah, it's kind of. A, different like uh views because i never really thought about it that way and i mean the that song from the beatles i was like okay well yeah it's a little bit different from what they play obviously but i don't know about like that's the song that paved the way 
Mark, it could be. Mark J. Norris said Sabbath is the father of metal and hair. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Sabbath is the. Yeah. I always, yeah, I always think if anyone asks, like, first metal band, I always think. Black Sabbath, Sabbath yeah. 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 I definitely think Helter Skelter was, like, before its time. Like, compared yes. to most music at that time, it was definitely, like, something different. But the first metal, I'm not so sure about it. Yeah. No, yeah, that, that song wouldn't be the first metal song. It's just that they, um, it's said that. That song is the one that kind of opened up the doors to metal music. That that kind of started giving that influence or that type like of like the music. darkness, yeah. And I guess the screaming <laughs> that's in there because there was there was a lot of it in that song. So I mean, yeah, they uh, they came out with this song with, with this album. Shout out the devil, second album, right? Yes. Again, mm-hmm. what band that just starts out? Comes out with the second album. Ones that sell their soul. And they go certified four times platinum. Mm-hmm. Yep. Illuminati. Like, yeah. So, I mean, um, they, they did uh, uh, four times platinum. So, that's obviously four million copies. One million is, is a platinum, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, four times platinum. Um, I um, want us to stop at gold every time. <laughs> <laughs> we tell everybody to stop spying. At the we're top. done. Okay. 500,000. We're good. Just He's like, yeah. Set the standard low. Supply and demand. <laughs> You're not allowed to buy anymore after that. Stop it. Pull it out from Spotify <laughs> and everywhere. Um, so, yeah, with this album, I feel that at this point, uh, from the first one, like I said, I feel like it could have been demo songs and all that stuff. And now this time around, I think this is more of when, like, Vince Neil got his voice that we can recognize now from, like, that point on forward than any song that we hear now at this point. I like the song "Too Too Young to Fall in Love." Yeah, yeah. I like that song, song off of the uh, this album. Yeah, so they they definitely feel like they Vince found his voice in this album. Uh, the band started sma- like grooving a little bit better. Obviously not groovy, but you know, it just sounded more tight. Like what they were writing, how they were playing, the way it was recorded, obviously. But just when they started doing all that stuff, that's how I felt like, okay, well. Now they're finding their footing. Well, that's the album that they had to be all sober on, right? Scott uh, Gossett? No. That, that was actually Dr. Feelgood. Oh. Yeah, no, this one this is, is like when they were already. Day. Yeah, this is when they were, like, going on tour and they were tearing up hotel rooms and throwing TVs out the window and <laughs> stuff like that. Man. This is that time. So they were already, like, drinking excessively. They were doing all the drugs and everything that was going on. And, all like, the drugs. what made them, like, famous that people say, like, oh, you know, like, what gave musicians a bad name, I guess, as far as like when you meet somebody and you're like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I play music. And I'm like, oh, you're one of those. You're probably like shooting heroin, fucking throwing TVs at the wall. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, that <laughs> this is the time that that was happening. So it was their second album. And I mean, it went huge, but I still felt like maybe this is the album that they found their footing. And again, it's on a major label. They started going through all, uh, going through all that stuff and like the stardom and they started taking off. Um, quite high with that one, so um, I don't. Do you guys have any opinions on that album itself, or it it sounds better? I think early on, like you said, a lot of the stuff that Vince would sing was just like I don't know. It just didn't come across the same way it did once they hit that shout out the devil, and then after that, you know. Right. So I, I agree. It's like well, they found kind of found their voice there. Yeah, I also think something that it might be like a small tangent, but 
something that I strongly believe in, even though a lot of people just, you know, they love the rawness of music, that that's their first album that's actually produced and like well produced to sound good. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And do they need to? Right. No, I, I no people. I need to minimize the legs now. It's it's been it's been too much. It's overstimulation. Okay. So, anyways, back to productions. No, I just feel up. like like music production is important because people need an outside ear as well. Because sometimes not only can you not hear issues that may be there, but also issues between, I mean, this not, we don't really have this problem, but like issues between band members because certain people might just be arguing too much about what a song should be when there doesn't need to be an argument. Sometimes if a part works and it just works, and you don't need to toil over it. There needs to be an outside voice saying, no, 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 guys, that's good. And just do that. And uh, like another weird band internal issue that people will have is they'll fight amongst each other. And it's kind of like an internal power struggle too. So having an outside person to just be like, no, 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 this is just what we're going to do removes that and makes everybody to be able to be in a good mood with each other because they don't feel like they're arguing with each other anymore. It's somebody is actually kind of directing the process so to keep even the relationship between the band good. Yeah, you got like that experienced producer that everyone respects. So if they say something, the band's like, oh, well, if they think that. Yeah, you ultimately get yeah. the best result yeah. because he's going to know, okay, that sounds good. This sounds good. I mean, they were all your own ideas, but you're not arguing over the ideas anymore. And it's easier to like have a third party where you go, okay, I agree with him. You know what I mean? Like Rather said, than agreeing with each other sometimes. Like ego gets in the yeah. way. And sometimes you just want your opinion to be right because it's yours. Exactly. And then if somebody who feels you feel like has no you know, dog in the fight, so to speak, makes an objective decision, it doesn't feel like you're conceding. You're just like, oh, no, but this outside person is now, you know, really just being objective. Yeah. And then that way, bad ideas don't necessarily win because somebody was like, well, I don't want to argue with them. I'll just let them do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like it ups the quality overall anyway. Just like all my ideas. <laughs> yeah so basically yeah with that with that album it it just seemed like it was flowing better for them um the guitar sounded fatter <laughs> more polished oh yeah right yeah. yeah the riffs that they had were actually a little more intricate mm -hmm. and i i mean i loved it and they probably had more hairspray too they have <laughs> bigger bigger hair so yeah um they came out with that album it did great um they started pushing it, and then after a couple years after that, I'm sure there's a lot of things that were going on with the band at that point, which, like, the movie, the third, kind of tries to show you that stuff. But uh, while I was doing my research, I was kind of more researching more onto the, the music side of things. So if any of you that are watching, if you have any facts or anything, feel free to put them on the comments below so <laughs> that we can read them. Well, speaking of things that, that people want to hear, sure. PJ should definitely never, ever say this. He said, just here to, and then gives a thumbs up, Scott's perspective on this. I'm going PJ, to... PJ, just know you appreciate it. I just, <laughs> nobody needs to hear Scott's perspective on anything ever, because it will not stop. And, <laughs> I mean, it probably would be for the best to have you talk on this, because you love Motley Crue so much, and you've been so quiet. He's being so shy because, like, he can 
it's barely on the camera. Like yeah. my big not just is that, like but I'm kind that. of a chameleon. Maybe today I wanted Jerry to be able to shine because it was his podcast, Megan. I didn't <laughs> want to talk over him the whole time. I didn't Do you ever you think about that? You were talking over him, Jerry. You're doing a fantastic job. Thank you. All right, so moving on, they had Shout at the Devil of 1983, right? So they started going on tour. They did their things. They started pushing the label. And they had to get back into the studio and come out with another full length. 1985. Is that the Dr. Feelgood one? No. Nah. Great song. <laughs> great, great, great song by Bowling Pursuit. Yeah. <laughs> Bowling Pursuit. <laughs> I, d I do like to point out, though, I do like to point out that bands back in the day i always hear people saying uh you know what back then it was easier to get signed or like do this because again over no sat oversaturation or whatever you can stand out if you catch somebody's ear then you're in right but man when the, you got in and back then there was really no way of saying like you know what i'm gonna do this uh independently i'm gonna be an independent artist there really wasn't that option back you wanted a tour, you had to have a label. You wanted to put out a CD, a full album, you have to have a label. So when these guys would get signed, they were put to work. Because full length after full length, and we're talking about two years from one to the next. Plus and touring and, right. and all exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, so I mean, that's like um, you're touring. You go into the studio, <coughs> you start recording. More than likely, you had those songs already written before you headed into the studio, and then once you have them out, you put them out, and the next the next move would be to push it. Then you got to start going to the tours and everything, world tours over the seas and all that stuff. Then you get back, and then you're told, all right, you get in there, start writing another one, because we need another 12 songs or 15 songs. Mm. I and can do it. Rinse and repeat every two years and constantly doing it. I say yeah. 11, take it or leave it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. I drive um, a hard bargain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll do 10. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, that was just one of the things I wanted to point out with these bands back then that um, no wonder they kind of burned themselves out. Like, no wonder they're like freaking smoking or doing whatever the hell they're shooting doing up and then heroin. Like sh yeah heroin shooting up they're doing all this crazy stuff and getting drunk all the time what's my excuse <laughs> 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 yeah so i mean good question if you guys have an idea what scott's excuse is please put it in the comments <laughs> below or if you would like to send any heroin my address is <laughs> yeah. stop giving out our address we already get enough <laughs> weird shit in the mail yeah, so, I mean, was, uh, that was an observation that I made as I was going through and looking at all their album releases, that everything was spaced out two years in between. And I just started thinking about it, that even right now, ourselves, I mean, like, we're, we're in the writing process, we're trying to come up with new stuff, and then, like, we're um, filling in our other voids right now since we can't go out and play, doing podcasts, doing live streams and all that stuff. And we all have, like, personal lives at home. And no, Scott <laughs> doesn't. Oh, okay. His life is just filling in his voids, <laughs> one <laughs> void at a time. So, I can't, I I start to think, and I'm like, man, that even though that would be the funnest thing because it is music, right? Um, it can be hard, I guess. If you were well, put yeah. in that position, I was like, man, these guys are like work, work down to the bone. 
no, so maybe sure. that's the reason why some of the albums weren't like not every album was a hit or don't have it, that's like a really song. good point being honest i mean yeah. if, if i felt pressured to write a good album like in two years i'd probably write like six yeah <laughs> no no no, <laughs> no, but, but, no but being honest i know i know exactly what you're saying like it just it's too hard to come up with enough ideas you think are good yeah. unorganically to be able to really do that like i feel kind of lucky in making and writing our stuff that there's no timeline you know yeah. what i mean it's just like if i feel like i like something then like today i sat down i wanted to come up with something and oh, that one sucks this one sucks whatever oh this one's good you know what i mean yeah. get to work on that instead of like almost being in the mentality that you have to force it check that check mark and like this is number one two three and they're getting put in no matter what yeah going in. yeah well i feel like ryan adams even though you know he's kind of controversial right now he has a good take on it and he just says that he wakes up every day and just tries to write no matter what because yeah. something's going to come out and he can just hate it and scrap it i mean think about it like his albums are 12 songs 14 songs max every time they take like two or three years to come out that's he wakes up every day and tries to write a song well but i think that like this is kind of a good little tangent if anybody's like curious about our processes or like you know just I mean, I always like to, if you're a musician, please let us know in the comments, like, what, what your process is. But for me, I honestly, I just have so many notes, like, little notes to myself on my phone or my laptop, not, like, really handwritten, which is a thing, because people really ask for those handwritten notes. Like, I've had so many different, like, people that are requesting, like, different band paraphernalia say that they, you know, would want, like, for special keepsake, like, any of my, like, notes of lyrics or whatever. I don't like handwrite anything and I, I guess that that kind of sucks because like Jerry was saying like the tactile experience kind of like that very physical like going out into the street like doing the music doing that thing is kind of no more but I find it so much easier to just jot down if I have a thought I can throw it into my phone or throw it onto my laptop and that for me it's just if, if you kind of are always just in the back of your mind tapping into that creative place um, like you said, I think it would be hard if you had, you know, a time constraint and had to have something done by X amount of time. And I guess especially if you're on tour yeah, when you have true. to be coming up with stuff. That's yeah. true. That's the one luxury like we can have is that, you know, knowing that music is a big is a uh, you know a, our life right now. That I'm always just kind of constantly throwing like lyrics or concepts for songs <laughs> just down on notes and stuff. So I have a bunch of odds and ends. Different processes. But don't you feel like more inspired to write lyrics or just any melody or something in the morning? Is that I feel like in the morning it's just woke, like wake up with a you know fresh I fresh do. brain and all of that. And I'm like my okay. brain's never fresh. I never do anything in the morning. I'm the worst person in the morning. I s sell signed screenshots. <laughs> well, maybe I could. Um, I could do that. I if that's what you guys want. But no, like, you, you, I can't. I mean, some people are morning people. Scott's a morning person. I'm not. I'm always writing stuff super late at night. I'm sorry if you can hear my dog crying because I have a thousand of them. Mm -hmm. I've heard people say that, like, if you always say, like, to your point, if you always write in the morning, you'll start coming up with things more in yep. the morning, right? It's like a yeah. habit oh, thing. Yeah. Like, oh, well, am I getting, like, lectured now? Is that what this is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, if, Get up. If you just try. Get up early. <laughs> if you just try at all, you just, like, no, it's like my, that, that is one of my favorite, like, 
things and Megan knows that this is like a pet peeve of mine that I'm usually just like by like 10 o'clock not wanting to deal with songwriting or anything because there's just like a lot of work of like going to the computer to like set this up and rig this up and do this and like things with like the microphones and stuff and it'll be like 10 o'clock and I'll just be like laying on the couch like staring at my phone or something and she'll be like let's write songs right now and I'm like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> we've had all fucking day to write songs <laughs> but right now is the time what a surprise. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to move this along a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Because we're at the hour mark. So, um, 1985, Theater of Pain comes out. Uh, this is the album that the band actually considered an album of just a creative disappointment. In between that time, when the band got back from touring and um, finishing the tour from Shout Out the Devil, uh, that's where Vince had that accident with his friend that his friend passed away. Oh, no. So yeah. there was that going on. Um, I think Nikki, um, Nikki had his uh, addiction growing at that point. I don't know if uh, what drug he was doing, drug of choice or whatever. Heroin. He was shooting up, right? Yeah, heroin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's basically what he was starting to do. Um, it was becoming to be a bigger problem, and that was – Right after they got back, so that oh, was thanks. basically the writing process for that album was when they were going through all that stuff. That and that's the reason why they kind of consider it now, looking back retrospective, that that's a disappointment. That was kind of like their their first red flag in the band. Like, oh man, this guy got in a car accident. Now what? Like everyone mm -hmm. was so disappointed at at Vince, you know, yeah. for doing that. And even though that he paid, you know, his Whatever he did, uh, he went to jail. Barely yeah. for anything. I mean, I, I don't think he served like what ninety days, and he killed somebody. It was yeah. very, very minimal. Yeah, yeah. he just paid uh, like a, a hefty amount. Yeah, but a bunch of money. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's. I mean, to live your th with yourself after that, like holy hell. But so after that one, that was going to be the sober album then, Brown, like feel good or whatever. Well, <laughs> for him, I don't, I don't yeah, know if there's yeah. actually like a sober, sober uh, period of time because. They were always like, oh, okay, we're going to do the, the Sober thing. I thought thing. That, was the, that was like the whole thing. There was like a whole album that they – Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil. Yeah, yeah. So that, that one's coming later, right? We're, we're getting to it in a minute. Okay. I'm all, <laughs> I, I just – asking for <laughs> Listen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like when you were asking for that album with uh, yeah, uh, so the killers. Yeah, so we did the killers. So I was like, there's a time for – There's Are a time for humans on their house. It's like, well, Megan, shut up and go to sleep. I think if I, if I remember right, like because of the accident, Vince had to be sober because he's on yeah. probation. Yeah, he did. Like he was sober during this time, but everyone else was not, and they were not very helpful to him <laughs> trying to they be were, sober. Yeah, they were like being, a, you know, like not supportive with him. He was like, "Hey, dude, can you pass me that line of coke? Yeah. <laughs> can you maybe this drink with tequila?" It's yeah. like, can dude, you cut it up for me while I'm shooting up over here? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Speedballing. Yeah. So yeah, that that's they had a lot of that going on. They were constantly touring and just <laughs> more alcohol. <laughs> just a spray of the beer. Sorry. Um, yeah, there's definitely lack of focus on their end, I guess, and that's why they felt that way. Um, I don't know if it kind of like transpired into the album, because personally, I don't go to this album and listen to Motley Crue. I don't know about you guys, but Home Sweet Home. Oh my God! It's, it's got that song, yeah, and Hot it's got smoking machine. in the boys' room. Right, and then it—I mean, this year—that's when they consider it the start of glam rock and glam metal, and that's Molly Crew was the one on the front lines for that stuff. 
But yeah, um, they felt that this album wasn't like one of the best ones for them. Um, I still like some of the songs, but it definitely is not one of the ones I go to to start listening to them. I'd rather go for the other ones. So then we jump ahead another two years from there again. Um, Girls, Girls, Girls comes out. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep. Wildside is on that album. Girls, 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 obviously. <laughs> another <laughs> album to crank out. Uh, a few songs here and there. Nor, uh, I mean, on my own opinion, it's nothing uh, like nothing special with this album, too. Uh, although those songs are really, really memorable. Right? <laughs> but it's like kind of a hit or miss with all this. I feel like, see, all these albums that they've been releasing... And there's like maybe a few songs that I can put on one hand on each album that could have been put together at one point, maybe yep. when they were in their process of moving up, that could have made an actual awesome album, debut album, <laughs> which uh, could have been a little bit different for them. But again, they were just being pushed into it. They had a backing to get signed and all that stuff right away. So I don't know if that was maybe part of the reason why it didn't. Um, I don't know. It felt like the labels just probably like squeezing out every possible penny that they could out of them at that point. Um, yeah, so it's like less about artistic integrity and more about just creating a product at that point. Yeah, because yeah, when when you see a band, especially back then, uh, that's their livelihood. Yeah, that's how they make their money and stuff. But um, every two years, crank out a full length. Like, is that really productive? Nope. Yeah. So it's just just it's um, I don't know. It just felt a little bit too pushed by the label yeah and that's how they got so now then at this point <coughs> more touring more partying more heroin more nice what happens to me yes he, he overdosed oh more than once <laughs> <laughs> yeah so nikki six goes through his uh darkest time he goes um <laughs> his two minutes of fame because he was actually pronounced dead for two minutes, right? Whoa. Yeah, so he he was technically dead, and they did all that stuff. So the guy that worked on him was the paramedic. Apparently, was a huge Motley Crue fan, and like he did everything that he could oh to try to yeah. bring him back. Try to yeah. And yeah. Gave him the two shots of adrenaline, which I is read that not too. That part in the movie is kind of like, did that really happen? Like like that? Did it in the book, Scott? Was the paramedic a Motley Crue fan? I don't remember if he was a fan. I'm assuming that that has to be accurate. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know about the the two adrenaline shots because I know one is should be. Yeah. And, uh, Pretty good to go. Just either leave you flatline. But yeah. Yeah. Who knows about that urban myth? Legend. Well, when when I die, then we'll all know. <laughs> from from your overdose? Three. Yeah, when yes. I have my overdose, and you'll give me three. You'll need to give me three because my ass will. She be has planned out. monthly overdoses. <laughs> yeah, I will be very dead. I'll need at least three well, just shots you to the have, heart. You have to top off Nikki Six. That's all. Exactly. Like, oh, they did three on she her. Has to find the yep. hearts all shriveled up and fine. Like <laughs> <laughs> Megan has a record: three overdoses. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. Um, Don't do drugs. All that stuff starts happening with them, and that's when they come to which album, Megan? Um, Brownstone. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Doctor Feel Good. Doctor Feel Good. The right. one I've been trying to say. Only the because entire I'm field. looking at my phone and it's right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I no mean, one. 
personally, this is like the consequential album that you have to listen to when you're going to first start listening to Motley Crue, personally. Yeah, but it's all downhill from here, though. You can't start with this one. I know. <laughs> it is it is heading towards the end of the podcast, guys, so I think we're yeah. we're okay to go downhill. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're going to go pretty quick. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> especially with all the beers getting drink. Yeah, so, I mean, um, yeah, it starts out with, like, kick-ass riffs, the melodies, everything that gets embraced. Like, you just start humming it as soon as you finish listening to the whole thing, right? So, I mean, yeah. Uh, it's also because it's a Bob Rock production. Yeah. That's true. Same guy who produced Metallica's Black Album because Metallica oh, yeah. said, we want to make an album that sounds like Dr. Feelgood. Yep. Noise. So that's actually... I want my really money back. Cool fact <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Nikki Sixx's uh, overdose and all that stuff, everybody knows that that's basically what star- um, uh, inspired the song uh, Kickstart My Heart. So, I mean, yeah. I think it's an awesome album. I know you have some notes on here, uh, right, uh, Scott? Yeah, yeah. I just touch bases on. Yeah, I wanted to mention that I think the song, even though it was never a single, I mean that doesn't really mean anything. But most people, I don't think that pay really much attention to the song. It's called "Slice of Your Pie." It's super fucking sick. At the very end of the song, they have an outro that's just them kind of doing their own heavier version of "She's So Heavy" by the Beatles, and yeah, it's really fucking awesome. So really cool. If you've never listened to that song, go listen to Slice of Slice of Your Pie by Motley Crue on Dr. Feelgood. I think you're getting thumbs up, but I think it's mostly because your legs are up in the shot again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to know what you're thinking about saying, so just don't even say it. Anyway, Jerry, what's the next? No, I'm just trying to figure out if I'm a slut or not. <laughs> Can you raise that up one more? In the comments, let us know. Is Scott a slut or not? He's trying to figure it out. He's waiting till marriage, though. Yes. (laughs) I'm a tease, I guess. Yeah. All right. So from, like, 1989 to 1991, they do world tours. They have success at their peak. Like, this is their – what do they call that peak? Climax. That's their climax. (laughs) There you go. So uh, from there, they actually have their first band uh, compilation, (laughs) Decade, Decade of Decadence. Stretch. They put all their stuff in from like 1981 all the way to 89. Um, at that point, uh, from 1992, that's when they had Vince Neil uh, quit or get fired. And quit fired. Quit fired. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, they had disagreements when they were at the rehearsal studio and they just started like pointing fingers and flipping the bird and. Just basically, yeah. <laughs> um, basically saying I fuse to one another, and then one of them says I quit. The other one says no, you're fired, and they just go their way. Um, that's when they bring in uh, John uh, John Karabi. And then and then nobody cares from there. And then nobody cares from there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean. I was trying to remember what album Primal Scream was on. Is that? Um, like it looks like from what I'm looking at Spotify here that it's just like an extra track on a greatest hits, but that doesn't seem right. I didn't find it as an actual full length. Yeah, that's what I'm saying because that song's dope, and that was like a later song. Like I think didn't Vince Neil come back and they did that song? Yes, he did. Yeah. Actually, um, well, with the whole thing, yeah, they they had some like legal problems in between there when uh, Vince left, and then the band itself had legal problems, and they did all this other stuff. 
So jump forward, 1997, that's when Vince Neil comes back to the band. And that's when everybody's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, he's back, so let's go ahead and get, like, new albums and stuff. That's also when Backstreet came back. Backstreet's <laughs> yeah. back. So Generation Swine gets released. It wasn't good. It was, yeah. At this point, like you said, everything's downhill. And um, that's when Vince Neil started morphing slowly into the tater tot. He was the tater tot. He then really already. is <laughs> full-blown tater tot. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. If you guys seen that Kicks video, my heart, I'm a tater <laughs> <laughs> you guys have to see it if you haven't. The video of him doing "Kickstart My Heart," like it's so sad. It was circulating. It was like from some festival in yeah. Brazil, like Brazil. Rio. Yeah. What, what is that? Rock in Rio, or it was Rock it was Rio. big Rock all over Rio. all over social medias when the dirt was out. Like that video was getting shared like crazy. Um, go watch it. Man, when he does the pup, the hand puppet thing, kind of like this. Does he do that? Oh, yeah. man. Well, actually, one of the last albums from them was supposed to be called The Dirt. Because it's, uh, there's the songs kind of tell the tale of their, their, their upcoming into the music and all that stuff. They kind of did that don't in tell me. Los Angeles, too. They kind of <laughs> hinted at that. Oh, no, the, the Saints of, uh, of Los Angeles was <laughs> supposed to be called The Dirt. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then later on, obviously, the movie came out and all that oh, stuff. But okay. That's how they did that stuff. But uh, yeah, Vince Neil comes back in '97, and Megan is having a breakdown. <laughs> Yo, you missed. <laughs> Jimmy Castle. Coming. Jimmy Castle's comment that Scott should do a Basic Instinct, and I fucking <laughs> almost threw up on my own self. Like, God. Wait, what? What do you mean I throw up? I read it as like uh, you should do a Basic Instinct move, and then I read Tater Tot. <laughs> <laughs> All of those things would be accurate. So, and I and I it's also <laughs> paired with the fact that I had to read that and all of these comments talking about how Scott's a slut and that like it's acceptable though and we shouldn't slut shame and then the the Gage is talking about how like Scott needs to go at Scott. Well, I, I need to tell Gage Lee something. It says Britney's voice. It's Scotty, bitch. Best part is is yes. back then. My actual <laughs> cell phone answering machine used to be "It's Gossip, Bitch," and then the song would start. Yeah, so I was. So that's not too far off. That was all part of the breakdown that you just saw. I'm sorry, Jerry. <laughs> that was all part of it. Yeah, so they just uh, got back at that point. I mean, they had a uh, Generation Swine got released, didn't do well. Uh, support of the label wasn't there anymore. Um, I think at that point, '97, Grunge was already coming out. Right? Oh, oh, but at its peak when Grunge was like the huge thing, I think climax. that was that around that time, right? <laughs> well, what's crazy is I think 97, but that was already Grunge was over. There's like new metal like Corn and... Oh, oh that's oh, right. Corn. Yeah. Papa yeah. Roach. Oh, no, 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 no. Papa Roach came way later. Whoa. I think you're, uh, I think you're accurate. Pretty close to that yeah, thing. it was pretty close. Yeah, I think, okay. Yeah. You weren't wrong. Okay, okay. <laughs> Well, commercial failure, and then uh, 2000, they come out with, like, New Tattoo and Saints of Los Angeles. That's the one we're talking about. That That's the album that was supposed to be called The Dirt, and then they changed the name over to Saints of uh, Los did Angeles. You, did you like the music in that album, Jerry? Saints uh, of the No, not too much, to be honest. Um, I didn't put too much time into it. To begin with, yeah. to be honest, at that point, I was just, I listened to some of the songs and I just did not get into it. Mm. Um, for me, something to catch my ear and like 
to start listening more and like there is really the guitar riffs there's got to be some hooks in there yeah that kind of catch my attention or the melody of the vocals is there something that just like oh man you just kind of like hummed it in your head after you hear it yeah like a couple hours later then yeah but i didn't feel there was any of that in that album i don't right. know how, how about you guys i've listened to a couple of songs in that album and and they sound kind of like like more experimental like mm -hmm. they were trying to use like newer sounds yeah like trying to like kind of sound to like newer bands but kind of like in mot in a motley crew way yeah you know but like you said there's nothing catchy there's nothing like you go oh man this is a, a cool song you know like it could yeah. be on the radio no i don't think any of those songs were on the radio yeah well actually saint of los angeles got nominated for best hard rock uh, performance. Oh, there you go. Okay. I remember that music video. Um, yeah. Because the giant bass drum. Oh, yeah. oh the 26, yeah. 28. Yeah. yeah. It was huge. When, you, when are you going to get a 28 inch, Roy? Soon. Very soon. <laughs> he's, he's already, I'm already packing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, even though they got uh, nominated for that, they actually lost to uh, the Mars Volta that year. Well, which the but Mars that's not, that was cool. The I Mars Vol Volta yeah. is like, I, they're on my pedestal. I like oh, them, okay, so good. I was like, so yeah, be careful what you said about them. <laughs> well, I was, yeah, I no, was I, I invite all opinions about the bands, but that's my preference. The Mars Volta, I think they're freaking great. Yeah, but yeah, they lost to them, which um, um wasn't a bad thing yeah, for me. It was, yeah, <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah. So then after that, 2011, and then through 2015, they go on tour. 2015 actually marks their year of their final tour and retirement and then obviously somewhere in between there tommy lee <laughs> oh left man. here he comes tommy lee did, did a lot of things he did that crazy stupid song get naked yep and i don't want to talk about it <laughs> yeah. scott loves that song oh i'm all about getting naked um <laughs> no but bes but more importantly i don't remember what i was gonna say no well, well that's pretty much motley crew in a nutshell. In a nutshell. Going I was going to say, I've seen Motley Crue live. I might be one of the only ones here. I saw them at the joint at the Hard Rock in Las Vegas. And it was actually pretty good. The only thing I have to say was that it was funny that Tommy Lee came out on stage by himself after everybody went in the background. Because they kind of did this weird like interchange where each member would come out by themselves after everybody like went back. And then they talk to the audience and do their thing. And Tommy Lee had his bottle of Jägermeister that he was, like, passing around to the people in the front to, like, drink. And everybody was kind of like, you have hepatitis. We don't want to drink this. So, like, it was kind of awkward, too. What? That's how we don't have to share. We just need to get hepatitis, and then nobody will bother us. <laughs> Perfect. One awkward thing, too, is when uh, he was doing the drum solo and that uh, mechanical riser type oh, of thing. No. And he got, he stuck. got stuck upside down. Oh, man. <laughs> And they left them he there, like hanging out there, just like for thirty minutes or something. I would be just dying, like, oh man. Dustin, you gave me a heart attack. I mean, no, I agree, but I literally, my heart just stopped. And he's watching with my daughter, my eight-year-old daughter, and I was like, oh no, the eight-year-old daughter should not be watching this. But eight-year-old daughter, thank you for loving the music. I promise you we're good people. And go to school and listen to your parents. Scott is not a role model. Brush don't your listen teeth. to Scott. Yeah, don't show your legs off like I do. <laughs> don't look for tater tots. Listen to your dad. <laughs> go to sleep. Brush your teeth. <laughs> yeah. 
But so yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, I guess at the end of the podcast, we always go with the op- with the question: Do they rock? Um, do they rock? Obviously, we go individually. Yes. We say our piece, and then we say good night. So since I was manning this podcast, I shall go last. Facts. All right, I'll go first. All right. All right. So, like he said, at the end of every podcast, we we do the big coliseum thumbs up or thumbs down as to whether the band of the week rocks. Uh, I'm gonna say that again because my my opinion of what rocks is based upon like multiple factors than just like the music itself. Like if they were a very strong societal musical in you know influence and if they did anything that would warrant you know recognition or or would be considered ingenuitive or anything like that you know if they if they made a real impact that to me is just as important as the music itself uh so for me i'm gonna say yeah motley crew rocks because of hell we wouldn't have umlauts over our freaking e if it wasn't for motley crew so i kind of feel like i i have to go with that maybe i like that answer Freaking Roy's yeah. smiling because he's an idiot. All right, Anthony, oh, Anthony, before Roy. Oh, my turn. I have a hard time disliking anything that uh, Mick Mars or Tommy Lee put out. I Even on the albums that it's like. Even Get Naked? Y- yeah, well, <laughs> that's a little different. I, I guess I should say the drumming that Tommy Lee does. and Even the know. boat tapes? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was (laughs) top 10 for sure. But but no, I mean, even the albums that Molly Crew did, that the album's really not good. Still, I feel like the guitar playing, the drumming's pretty good. Yeah. I still like it. And then, of course, you know, they have their core albums early on that you just can't deny. So for me, yeah, they rock. Woo! All right, Roy. Oh, man. Well, I previously said that Motley Crue to me was kind of like a joke, but I'm not going to be negative and like a hater. So I'm going to explain. Well, I'm just going to say this, right? Because joke. I I like their ambition, you know, and persistence. Like back then, there were just a group of friends who like were dreaming about being in a rock band and, you know, doing this sex, drugs and, and rock and roll life type of thing. But it got out of control, so that kind of like screwed their entire career. I think they could have been much better musicians if they would have been more dedicated or more into their craft, you know. But because it it was party all the time, it was like girls all the time, which is cool, you know. Why not? So um, <laughs> I, that's why I'm just like they're just a rock and roll band. It's for party. If you go to a dive bar, of course, you're going to listen to uh, a Motley Crue song because they were catchy. They were popular back in the day. Uh, But I don't expect something more proficient, more uh, like musical technicality out of that because it's just for like party, just to have fun. Right. Even though like if I go to the concert, just see them live, I wouldn't pay attention to lyrics or something. I would just go to like. To do heroin? Yeah, or like <laughs> hook up with chicks and yeah, stuff. Yeah, get girls, you know? yeah. So, um, but I, this is how close I am to liking Motley Crue. I like, <laughs> you use got, say, five songs to, mm-hmm. you know, rock the, the band. So I like four. Oh. <laughs> I like four. Yes. And my four favorite Motley Crue songs are Kickstart My Heart, 
Wild Side, Live Wire, and Take Me to the Top. So, yeah. You're almost to the, to, they don't, they don't. So they almost rock? Yeah. They almost rock, yeah, y like you, you said. You that, That's exactly right. Scott Goss, Scott Legs Gossett. So, oh man, I, I have a problem that I, I have this weird duality, and that's that, like, sometimes I'm artsy Scott, <laughs> and sometimes I'm party Scott, and artsy Scott says Motley Crue doesn't rock, but party Scott <laughs> says Motley Crue fucking rocks. See? See? I like, yes, exactly. I like Motley Crue for all of the reasons that I love Van Halen. David Lee Roth isn't really a singer. You know what I mean? I don't think Vince Neil is a singer. But the point that, the, the reason the music exists is because it's fun. Like, whenever you hear it, like, you could just be, like, drinking, freaking, you know, driving, throwing alcohol bottles out your convertible while you're just crashing into houses and stuff. Like, <laughs> and, that, and that's what you put on when you're Don't doing do that. that. You know what I mean? No, like, we do not do that. You know, like, am I right? Like, people feel me. No. <laughs> Overdosing and getting <laughs> yeah, back to your exactly. house and shooting again. Don't kill any of your friends. Yes, but no, long story short, I do think that they rock, but it's kind of like one of those things where it's a time and a place for the mood. Like, I don't think that if I was, say, like, you know, in a reflective, depressed mood or something, I would put them on and be like, oh, I really get this. Like, I really dig this music. Like, it means something. Of course you not. Put home sweet home when you're depressed. No, that's. <laughs> look at what happened to Lou in Hot Dub Time Machine when he did that. Okay, so yes, I think Don't that Molly Crew, Molly Crew does rock. Oh man! I <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I know what Roy's saying. There's like very, like there is a select amount of songs that I actually really, really like. But the ones that I like, I like actually really like listening to. So sure. like when you're showing leg, you like Molly Crew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not showing leg, yeah. you're not in the mood. Ex exactly. Yeah. When I'm being modest, I don't like Motley Crew. All right, so. Obviously, I picked the I picked to do the research on Motley Crue for this podcast because I do like Motley Crue. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, they suck. Yeah. No, but you know what? Um, yeah, Motley Crue has songs that are catchy and all that stuff, but they're not that intricate. But they are party songs, and people know them, and they're going to hear it. They'll hear a little riff, and they're like, oh, that's that one song, or that's Motley Crue. They'll know for sure who it is and collectively throughout their whole career each album for the exception of dr feelgood personally i feel that that one can stand out on its own and that's a full length all the other albums can kind of kind of come together and make one really good album which is more than the five song uh theory that you have yeah. scott so um yeah i mean i think they do rock um in a way that I mean, as far as their career-wise goes, like I said, I think they got signed. I think they get, became famous too prematurely. Um, we got to see their evolution through their debut album, like the first ones, and all the way up until what I feel Dr. Feelgood is the one that should have been the one that kind of broke them out into the scene. But we got to see all that stuff, and there was a few, few hits here and there as they went along. But I feel like we just saw that progression that a lot of bands actually have to do outside of that spotlight. And in the end, it paid off for them. Whatever they had, they might have had financial backing or whatever it is that they had. But they put out content out there that people 
still remember to this day and is still being played and it's very very obvious that people can recognize who they are for sure and i was going to say in the back of your theory mm -hmm. um what you were saying about songs that kind of could just seem kind of demo-y until they made like that breakout one that should have been their first one yeah I actually think that, like, say, like, you take Livewire, and this is something I want everybody to reflect on right now who's listening to this. Say you take Livewire and you make it any other band that's not being pushed, like, songs that don't have a music video and all that. Would you ever have really listened to it and cared that much if it wasn't forced on you to hear over and over and over and over again? And that's the thing. And yeah. I challenge you guys, don't put that in the comments. Go to the Metalheads, spelt just like this says right here, this banner. Metalheads group, go add yourself. Seriously, when we talk it's about on a lot of this stuff, it's a Facebook group. We are all in there. You can chat with us a lot easier than, you know, there's so many dogs yelling. Then if we we're, you know, all trying to get, trying to talk to us individually, go to the Metalheads group. We're, we're all in there. You can, you know, you can get a hold of us a lot easier. We like to talk music. And there's a lot of really cool people. Everybody's real chill in there. And, yeah, because I want to hear what people have to say um, aside from Scott. Yeah, My microphone's so. on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yes. th that's what I feel about uh, Molly Crew. Yeah, I, d I think they rock. I they put in the time, uh, whether it was uh, some other type of backing that they had to be able to put their music out there, but the fact of the matter is they put it out there, even the crappy stuff. <laughs> nice. So. Well, that was awesome. On that note, we're going to go uh, drink some more beer and eat some more pizza. Thank you, Jerry, for an awesome Motley Cheers. Crew. Pro little, pro little live stream podcast. I can speak, I promise. <laughs> Cheers. Have a great night. We will see you on the next one. Bye.